Again, that's Romans chapter 3, verses 27 to 31. Where is boasting then? It is excluded by what law of works? No, but by the law of faith. Therefore, we conclude that man is justified by faith apart from the deeds of the law. Or is he the God of the Jews only? Is he not also the God of the Gentiles? Yes, of the Gentiles also, since there is one God who will justify the circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised through faith. Do we then make void the law through faith? Certainly not. On the contrary, we establish the law. Another preacher today, John Matt. Good morning. Glad you could make it this morning. I'd encourage you to keep your Bibles open there to Romans chapter 3. Uh, we'll be looking at verses 27 to 31. And as we do, let's go to our Father in prayer. Father, we thank you for gathering us this morning. We thank you for this first day of the week when we remember that your Son, our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ, rose from the dead, that he conquered death. And because of that, we now know, have no fear of death for those of us who are in Christ Jesus. Father, we thank you so much and praise your name for our salvation. And we pray that you would guide us as we open your word this morning and that we might love you more uh, and that we might be more like your son, Jesus, in whose name we pray. Amen. So Paul's great declaration of the good news, of course, was first to lay down the, the bad news. And when uh, it looked like all hope would, would be lost for everybody, we see those glorious words, but now. But now, God's righteousness has been applied to sinners through faith in the propitiatory sacrifice the blood of Jesus Christ, his son. And so Paul laid this out for us so beautifully, didn't he? And he's shown us the nature of that justification, that it's, it's from God, it's apart from the law, it's by grace. He showed us that the grounds or the, the basis of doing all of that was the very work that he set forth his son to do, uh, that, his, that Jesus' blood was shed for us, that he laid it down, he laid down his life as an atonement, as a propitiation of God's wrath, and then he comes uh, to remind us that this great declaration has to be looked at from not just our viewpoint of, I needed salvation, but it's about God himself, isn't it? It's about God's holiness, his glory. It declares him to be both just and the justifier of the person that believes in Jesus. And that brings us now to that last bit. What the, the, the consequences of all of that, the inevitable consequence, Paul says, is that the doctrine of atonement means there's no boasting on our part, not from a Jew and not from the Jew Gentile. Where is the boasting then? It's excluded. By what law? Uh, of works? No, but the law of faith. Therefore, we conclude that a man is justified by faith apart from the deeds of the law. Or is he the God of the Jews only? Is he not also the God of the Gentiles? Yes, of the Gentiles also. Since there is one God who will justify the circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised through faith. Do we then make void the law through faith? Certainly not. 
On the contrary, we establish the law. Now, uh, we might ask, and some have asked this, you know, you know, Paul has kind of come to the great crescendo of the gospel, right? The, the, the great wonder of, of what God has done for us. And, and then he does what he often does then, is after the great climax, he just kind of reiterates himself. Um, and you, you kind of begin to wonder, well, why? Why do you reiterate yourself? Maybe you ask me, why do you reiterate yourself? Well, because the scripture keeps reiterating these things. And I think that there's two uh, main reasons for that that have been pointed out by, by many others. And one is the vital importance of the message, right? Uh, some messages are so important that we want to make sure that scripture makes sure that there can be no misunderstandings about it. Right? Uh, we're real easily confused, aren't we? And sometimes we just need to have something hammered home uh, over and over. It's just like when you're teaching a child. You don't just necessarily, if it's vital to their safety and their well-being, as a parent, you don't just mention it once and then walk off and assume that they, they got it. You're going to remind them over and over of, of those things. But number two, uh, and, and this is because of our sinful nature, right? Our fallen nature demands that we hear truths often set both in the negative context as well as the positive. Sometimes the, just setting aside, setting something out in a positive way isn't quite enough for us uh, because of our fallen nature. And we need to kind of hear that. We need to see both sides. I need to hear it presented negatively, even if it's a, a positive thing. As one minister's comments, we have a tendency to hold on to our prejudices, don't we? To our, our preconceived ideas and the things that we want, or uh, as has been said, or sometimes our prejudices hold on to us. And so having stated very positively that this salvation is by grace, that it's a gift from God, it's a salvation that declares his righteousness in both being just and the justifier and stating that it's God who has set forth Jesus, Paul now reiterates that kind of on the negative side saying all boasting is excluded. Here's what it doesn't, here's what it doesn't mean. It means there's no boasting. Now Paul was one that understood what it means to boast. Right? Don't think that Paul doesn't get this. Because in his pre-converted state, Paul says, you know, I have a lot of confidence in me, <laughs> right? I would just read Philippians 3. He can still rattle off, you know, all of the things in which he could boast if that were the case. Uh, he doesn't anymore in Christ, but he recognizes, you know what, I got, I get what boasting's about. Sometimes it's translated glorying. Right? So he sometimes will refer to boasting or glory. And he certainly was a person who took pride in his situation, in who he was, and in his accomplishments prior to his salvation. But he came to understand that that was a right. Of course, Jesus had described this wretched sin uh, in Luke chapter 18 when he, he gives that little parable about the two that go up to the temple to pray the Pharisee and the sinner. And it's kind of a tough one even to read sometimes when you think you know, the, the Pharisee's prayer is just so uh, egregious and, and Jesus uh, means for it to be understood that way. 
uh, this, this boasting in ourselves. But Paul reiterates here that this, this is not just a Jewish problem. It's not even just a Pharisee problem. It's really at the heart of every unregenerate man and woman. This is just a, a problem that we have that we like to boast, don't we? Now, what do we mean by boasting here? Well, uh, what we think it means, right? Self-congratulations. Uh, uh, he says there's just no place for that. There's no place for self-congratulations, self-exaltation, or self-glorification. Me, 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 me. Yeah, it's like, have you seen uh, what I've been uh, up to? Did you see what I did? He says there's no room, no place for that when it comes to being saved. The sinner cannot attribute anything to himself about this deliverance from the penalty of sin. He can't exalt in either before God, and he can't exalt himself even in comparison with other sinners. Paul says there's just not even a hint of room for boasting. Uh, the word here, uh, excluded, comes from a Greek word, uh, ekleo, uh, and it means to shut out, right? Just close the lid on it altogether. There's, there's just absolutely not even a hint, not a place for boasting in this regard. And yet that's what we do, isn't it? We're boasters, right? Just, just in general, across the board, this is the great issue of human pride, isn't it? We want to boast, right? Even if it's not popular, we still like to work ways in uh, to uh, use those things. You know, there's uh, people here that are name droppers, right? They just somehow work a name in. Uh, if they've ever met a celebrity, there's certain people that somehow... You know, it doesn't matter. You talk about suddenly being on a plane to Hawaii, and they're going to tell you about how, well, you know, I was on the, we went to Hawaii one day, and we were on the same plane with so-and-so. I'm not going to mention it. It's like, I, so I knew that was coming because I've heard it like 20 times already. Um, but, you know, any opportunity, you know, just like this, uh, you know, we, we like to boast. We like to get credit. We like to be acknowledged, don't we? And it doesn't matter how small, although, let's face it, our pride never thinks it's any of it small, right? It's, it's always big. It's, you know, it's something very important. And if it actually is small, well, the only reason it was small in our estimation uh, is because somebody in charge didn't recognize my talents, didn't recognize what I could actually do. That's the only reason it's a, it's a small thing. Does this sound familiar? You ever had any problems like this? Maybe it's just me. You think about that, and you notice how much longer movie credits are today than if you watch a movie from 50 or 75 years ago? I mean, come on. I mean, we got the credit for the person that, uh, that wiped the nose of, of one of the you know, third-string actors that was on the set during the month of, uh, first week of the month of May. During, I mean, look, I'm, I'm not trying to disregard people's contributions to things, but, you know, that's about getting, I mean, what they're called credits. That's, they're about getting credit for something. I want to be acknowledged. Look, I'm, on, I'm in the credits. You know, you're, I think, what, was that your name? I'm not sure. Oh, it was. It just shot right by there. I'm there. Our pride wants us 
acknowledge our pride wants us on the throne of life, doesn't it? We want to be the king, the queen, the master. But we know that that means I've got to have the power, I've got to have the control, I've got to have the ability, because pride connects all of those things with our works. Right? I should be up here, and so I need to be acknowledged as belonging up here on the throne. See, being made by the Creator in His image, which, by the way, is actually what gives us our worth, that you were made in the image of God. That's what gives you worth. That God sets His care upon you is why you and I have worth. But that doesn't suit our pride. Right? Our pride prefers to be God rather than be made in the image of His God. Of God, we want to be, you know, the self-made rather than being made by another. Pride disdains being clay in the potter's hand, doesn't it? That's why our pride will do anything to rob even the tiniest bit of God's glory for ourselves. And there's just so many, I mean, there's countless ways that this happens throughout a lifetime and in different ways, but the most defiant way that the scripture teaches us is the arena of our justification. This is where our pride and our boasting is just is manifestly at its worst. Because our pride insists that somehow we can be good enough for God. Our pride insists that, well, if we weren't quite good enough, if you, if you, you argue me into a corner and I acknowledge, well, okay, maybe I didn't quite meet the standard. My pride still insists that I have contributed to my righteous standing. That at the very minimum, I've done more in my strength and in my efforts than somebody else has. And our pride is ready to boast in that to anybody that'll listen, even if that's just ourselves. And don't be shocked at how low your pride will set the bar when comparing to somebody else if it's a means for boasting. <sighs> well, I'm better than Hitler. Uh, you really, well, you set the bar, really. Wow, I mean, you know, there's, you know, that's it, because that's what we need. The more you're confronted with reality, the more our pride, rather than humbling ourselves, that's what pride does. We just, we lower the bar. I can find somebody. I wonder who Hitler would have set the bar for. He probably had somebody in his head. He just convinced himself that he was, you know, doing a good thing. You know, we deceive ourselves. Don't be surprised at the lengths to which pride will go to find a place to boast. And Paul declares so plainly, so succinctly here, he says there is absolutely no place for boasting, none whatsoever. For you have not and could not ever merit your salvation or contribute in the least, in one iota, to being justified before God. And yet so many people even those that are professed Christians, if they're asked a question just simple like, 
What would you say before God's throne if he asks you, why should you be allowed into heaven? Begin with an answer that says, because I... And I'll just cut it off right there. Because that's the wrong answer, isn't it? Right there's the failure. Because I'll tell you, you and I can't get in. The only right answer must begin because Jesus, because God has done it's through faith in him and his work that we're connected. And so this troubles people sometimes. And they wrestle. And there's many illustrations we could look at, but time doesn't allow. We're justified by our faith in Christ. Our deeds didn't suffice. Our deeds won't suffice. Our deeds can't suffice. But the deeds of Christ... He is the one who is fulfilled. He is the one who has uh, kept all of the righteous requirements of the law. It's Jesus and Jesus alone, both Jew and Gentile, are brought into and offered salvation on the exact same terms, and that is through faith, or by faith, as Paul says. And by the way, Paul uses those terms interchangeably throughout his epistles and even in uh, the book of Romans, so we're not going to uh, try to call out any particular uh, distinction there. By faith, through faith, we are declared justified by God's grace through no merit of our own, but by the, it's apart from uh, the law. It's through faith. That is, our faith connects us. It's, uh, I like to use the thing, it's a conduit to the one who actually does the saving. To the one whose righteousness actually can be, it makes one just before God. It's not my righteousness. Faith, by the way, is not a meritorious work either. It's an instrument, again, a conduit, a connector that connects us. It is by which we're connected to Jesus. So we're connected by faith, through faith in him to Jesus, to his merit. Because this is God's work, right? God set forth, Paul says. It is he, uh, that is God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, who saves both the uncircumcised and the circumcised. As Paul writes in Ephesians 4.15, there's one God, one faith. Right? And there, there, therefore, there can't be any boasting. Where's the room for it? There's no place for it. Because we've all been connected to Christ, the true vine, by faith. He's the one that has done the work. It's God who sent him forth. It's Christ who went to the cross. And it's the Holy Spirit who has, who has put us into the kingdom. And unfortunately, you know, there's uh, even, even in faith, our pride still makes attempts, doesn't it? Our pride still tries to get the upper hand. It, it still tries to boast about something to somehow say, you know what, there's got to be something that makes you better than other people. There's got to be something in here. And that's why Paul has said boasting is excluded. It's shut out. It's not just boasting in the law that's excluded. 
It's boasting in ourselves in any way regarding our salvation. Not even our faith is a means to boast. Again, our faith is the conduit, it's the connector, but it is not our righteousness. Christ is our righteousness. It's Christ's righteousness that I'm connected to through faith. And we have to ask, be reminded and ask ourselves, and maybe you need to ask yourself, why is it that you're saved and another is not? Well, the first answer would be, well, because of faith. Well, yes, that's true. And I'm not going to argue with that after, lay, after we've laid down such a strong foundation for that. Absolutely, that is a true answer. You have faith and somebody else does not. But why do you have faith? Well, you're, you're intelligent people and you've come to Christ and you know, well, because, because I, I heard the word of God, I, uh, the glorious gospel message of, uh, of God sending forth his son, Jesus Christ, to redeem us. Romans 10, 17, right? Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of Christ. Good. Again, another right answer. But none of that's a basis for boasting, is it? But then people say, well, you know what? Okay, then you ask, but why do you have faith? But a friend, a spouse, a child, a parent, a co-worker, or some other person who's also heard the word, the, the gospel, but they don't have faith. Is that something I can boast about? Can I boast in that? And you know what? You know what's sick? Is our pride will try. Our pride will actually try to kind of come up with an answer to that that, you guessed it, puts it on me, puts it on you. Well, clearly it's because I'm more intelligent. You know, I, I heard the message and it all clicked in. I, I, I dialed that in and there we go. Or maybe it's I'm more stupid. Pride rarely goes there, does it? I mean, you know, it's like pride doesn't usually just dial in and say, you know, it's I am just more unintelligent than everybody else, and that's why I have faith. I, I haven't ever heard anybody say that. I've heard the other, but I guess it, it, it could be a possibility. It would be a weird kind of boasting, but it would be boasting, right? I am somehow better. Or you hear, I'm, well, I'm just, I guess I'm just more spiritual, right? Yeah, I'm just a little more dialed into these things. Notice that it's always, it's always I'm, uh, I'm more something. It's a, it's a boast. But pride's so subtle, isn't it? We're so tainted. And Paul just keeps reminding us, boasting's excluded. It's shut off even regarding our faith. Because that too is a gift of God's grace. This is God's working. It's he who gives new life to dead souls, to men and women who were dead in trespasses and sins. Ephesians chapter 2, you, he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom we also all once conducted ourselves in the lusts of our flesh, 
fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. We were all in that same boat, dead. And dead people don't do much. They don't do anything. And that was our situation, Paul said. And then he goes on, but God, but God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he has loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you've been saved and raised us together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. He reiterates it again. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is, a, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. Our salvation from beginning to end is a gift from God. He is the author and perfecter of our faith and is all a work of God's grace. Do we make genuine choices? Yes. The scriptures teach that we do and they have moral consequence. But we are also made manifestly aware that if God did not act, if he did not seek, if he did not draw, if he did not give new life, then we would never place our faith in him. And so all boasting in ourselves is excluded. Right? That's it. And that's why Paul has brought us and held us face to face with the cross of Jesus Christ, hasn't he? To the death of the very Son of God on our behalf. And he asks us, have you understood it? Do you get what has happened, what has transpired, what has been done for you and me, or are you still boasting? Because the doctrine of the atonement produces in its proper effect, if the doctrine of atonement is rightly received, it leads us to see and feel that God is just and that he is infinitely gracious, and in that we are deprived of any ground of boasting. If we are to boast, then it is to be, as Paul declares to the Galatians, in Christ Jesus our Lord. You feel the need to praise and glory in somebody? Good. Not yourself, but Jesus. In Jesus. And as we contemplate our salvation, we see that it's for God's glory. Jesus said, you know, that when he's heading to the cross, he says, Father, glorify your name. Sometimes mentioning, this is what I come to do to glorify the Father. 
And as we see what God has done, we are stripped of boasting and bring glory to God. You know, God is the ultimate end of all of his own acts. To declare his glory is the highest and best end for which he can purpose himself and his creatures. And if God proposes his own glory as the end of all that he does, how much more than should we as his creatures live in humility and reverence and give glory to him and to have God's glory as the constant and commanding object of our pursuits. And our pride wants the object of our pursuits to be our glory. But for the person that's been born again in Christ Jesus, who's come face to face with the doctrine of the atonement and Christ's work on the cross, we recognize that God is the one who is due all the glory. And we pursue life to give him glory. Our salvation is truly, as the reformers really just reclaimed, right? This isn't their thing, uh, but they reclaimed what the scripture taught. And in Latin, of course, sola cratia, sola fide, solus Christos, and sola Deo gloria. What does that mean? By faith only, grace alone, in Christ alone, for the glory of God alone. Christ didn't die to glorify you. Christ died to glorify his Father in heaven. And you and I have been born again to bring glory to him. We were created in Christ for good works that we might do those to his glory. So are you still holding on to something of your own? That's well, a fair question. We've got to all ask that, don't we? Even those that are legitimately born again, we still wrestle with these things. So we've got to ask, are we still holding on to something of our own? Is there, is there some vestige of self-righteousness still left in us? I can tell you this, we're going to battle with that until we are glorified in the resurrection, until you are face-to-face -face with Jesus. You're going to wrestle with these things to a certain degree. And we praise God that the Holy Spirit has been given to us to work this work of transformation so that we are becoming more and more each day like his son Jesus. But we need to be introspective. We need to look. We need to ask ourselves, are we holding on to some self-righteousness? Is there anything perhaps that you're clinging to this morning, though, and holding on to rather than Jesus Christ as your Savior? Are you still thinking that you are good enough in yourself? Are you still looking for a way to be able to boast about who you are apart from Christ? Because if you are, you need to let it go. What are you clinging on to it's whatever you're clinging on to. Can you cling on to it in light of the glorious message of the gospel? If you've understood what Jesus has done at the cross, 
if you've understood what God has done in sending his only begotten son. You know, it wasn't just a sacrifice for Jesus. It was a sacrifice for the Father. What transpired at the cross so that you and I could be justified? It's been the hardest thing any father could ever do to their son. And for the holy God, the triune God, who lives forever in perfect fellowship, I don't think we can begin to grasp the magnitude of what Jesus the Son and God the Father went through in order for you and I to be saved. And he did it for his glory because he is worthy. As I said last week, knowing all of that, could you say no to Jesus? I pray that you would not. Will you not repent of your sins? Will you not turn to him in abject humility? Bow before his throne. Confess your sins. And turn to him in faith. Recognizing that it is his righteousness that saves. And by faith receive his righteousness credited to your account. Not because you deserve it. But because he is a good God. A gracious God who offers it to all who will call upon his name. He invites you today. Will you respond?